Hi there, welcome to this week's episode of Marketing Home, Marketing You. I'm your host, Barbara Savona of Sprout Marketing, and today we're gonna talk about eight ways to become a kick-butt leasing professional in just one week. Now, I don't know if you guys know this, but in my entire career in multifamily, which is now over 20 years, I can't believe it, one of the jobs that I look back the most fondly on is being a leasing professional. I like the other jobs I did too, but when I look back at being a leasing professional, there was just so much that I loved. I loved being the very first one that the prospects got to know, to be a representation of the community. I loved getting to know prospects, people from all over with all different backgrounds. It was kind of like the day was never the same. And I loved connecting people to their home, whether it was just going to be home for a little while or for a long while. To me, it felt like very meaningful work. So I, like I said, I have a fondness for that, for leasing professionals, for that profession itself. And today I want to talk about how, if you are a leasing professional, ways that you can hone your craft, because I really want you to think about leasing apartments as helping people find home, a very essential craft. And you could be just okay at it, just like with anything, or you could be really stellar. And so these eight ways, you may not have thought about them in the in the past as ways to up-level your game, but I think you'll look at them that way after we talk about them today. So are you guys ready? Let's get started. Okay, so the very first tip is I want you to spend some time focusing on yourself. <laughs> Does that feel selfish or awkward? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take at least 10 to 20 minutes and get with a piece of paper. This is going to be something you're going to actually write down. And I want you to spend time asking yourself, what is it that makes me unique? Think about what is it that your friends and your family, those that know you closely, love about you? When you meet somebody new for the first time, what are they maybe surprised to find out about you? Now, you might be thinking, why in the world do I need to do this to become a better leasing consultant? But the reality is, is as a leasing consultant, you're a professional friend maker, you're a professional communicator, and it's stories and life experiences and those unique points that make us memorable in the minds of our prospects. But sometimes we don't think about ourselves as unique, or even if we do, when we get busy with the day-to-day -day operations, it might be hard to switch in and out of taking care of checklists to make sure move-in processes are ready to then connecting with a pro prospect. So what I want you to do is I want you to have kind of a cheat sheet about you, and you're gonna draw from these experiences. Just by writing down some of these unique qualities, things that have happened to you, things that you love, hobbies that you like, things that your friends love about you, it's gonna keep fresh in mind things that you can connect with other people on. What's so cool about meeting the different prospects that we have is, while we might be completely different, we usually have some similarities. And when we find those similarities and we weave them into our conversations totally naturally, the more that people remember us, they connect with us, they see themselves in us. And it makes them feel a little bit more inclined to be interested in our community because again, like attracts like. So I, I heard a great podcast that almost that gave a great exercise. They said, you know, we have all these stories and things that have happened to us. Break up your paper from years one to 10 and then from 11 to 20 and you get the picture, right? So in increments and think back on experiences that you've had, maybe places you've traveled or pets that you've had or things that you've done and write those down and kind of go through your life. Depending on how old you are, you'll have either a ton or you'll have just a little bit. But 
then write down things that you love, things that people remember about you, and kind of look at that and say, okay, I'm gonna embrace that and I'm gonna be ready to share those things when it makes sense to do so. So for example, for me, I might connect with somebody that's a pet lover because I've had dogs all my life. Right now I have a Doberman, so if I do bump into somebody that has a Doberman, we're gonna connect on that. I have a mom that's from Germany, a dad that's from Mexico, so I grew up speaking Spanish and German. I didn't learn English till I went to school. So if somebody comes in and they're a Spanish speaker, first of all, I'm gonna find it very easy to switch languages and connect with them there. But talking about my background, if it's appropriate, might make them feel at ease with me. Again, this is not sticky or um, slimy sales techniques. This is just real humans connecting, but we're putting a little strategy in place so it makes these things easier to call upon and it really makes us just really incredible at our craft. So there you go. Step one, focus on what makes you unique. Okay, step number two is almost a piggyback off of step number one. I want you to practice talking. <laughs> like I said, you are a professional communicator. So part of practicing your craft is practicing communicating. Now, I know that we've been a little bit more restricted in how much we communicate with people because we're maybe not seeing as many people depending on the stages of lockdown or quarantine that your city uh, has imposed. But what we tend to do sometimes, myself included, is when we do bump into people, whether it's running errands or doing different things, we're all people talked out, we're all talked out or whatever the right phrase is, that we don't wanna to talk to so many people. But here's the deal. If talking is a part of your craft, the more that we talk to people and we find ways to communicate with all different kinds of people, the easier it's gonna be as random prospects come in your door. I don't know if it's happened to you, but like when I used to get the person that could never, like didn't wanna say two words, it was like torture. I would have such a hard time connecting with them. But as I've increased my circle of friends and I've had friends that really just don't talk much, my husband's not a big talker, and I've learned how to adapt my communication style to them, it's let me be more flexible in knowing, okay, this is how they prefer to communicate. I might need to tone it down a bit, or I might need to be asking different kinds of questions. So this next week, I want you to really try to talk to people wherever you go, where it makes sense. Don't be a weirdo, <laughs> don't be a creeper, but you know what I'm saying. If you see strangers and it makes sense to communicate or you're running errands, just take a couple of extra seconds to talk a little bit more. Spend some time focusing on the craft of communication. You will see how much it improves your flexibility and your adaptability with your prospect. Okay. I know you're not gonna like me for tip number three, but I promise it's a game changer. Get to work 15 minutes earlier. Don't close your ears, stay with me. When you get to work before the doors open, it allows you to really set the pace for your day. I used to hate when I'd get on site and I was screeching in and I already had residents lined up at the door. I felt like I could never catch up the rest of the day. And I've heard moms talk about it like this. They love to get up before their kids and they feel like if they can do that, they have that quiet time to kind of set the tone for the day, like I said. Well, it's the same thing with our job. By getting to work even a few minutes earlier, you have time to walk your model units, walk your tour route. You have time to get your desk set up. You have a little bit of time to maybe have that cup of coffee in quiet. And if you are a busy mom at home, that quiet before the doors open could really be <laughs> the, the difference between you losing your cool that day or feeling frustrated or burnt out. So the other thing is, 
If you're a leasing professional looking to advance your career, being punctual and being even early to make sure that you're ahead of the day, it speaks volumes. I mean, I had a leasing professional that used to always get to the get to the office, it felt like a minute after, two minutes after, three minutes after. Every day it felt like she was just pushing it a little bit more. And as a property manager, once I noticed that this was a pattern, I just felt like I couldn't rely on her because I felt like I had to get the startup going. By the time she got in, got her coffee, sat down, it was like 9.15, 9.20, and I was already in full production mode. So that getting to work earlier, it's good for you, it's good for your residents, and it's also good for your resume and for um, how your boss is going to look at you. So try it this next week and see if it can be a game changer for you like it was for me. Four is to move your body regularly. You guys, I have been guilty of it too, where once I sit at this desk and I'm you know, doing different things and responding to my team, I'm here and it, the day could have gone by. However, as a leasing professional, because you have to be ready to talk to people and because you know, you're just a human being, studies show that we all need sort of a physical break every 52 minutes for the best productivity. And that is documented across multiple different studies. So every 52 minutes, I'm not saying that you need to take a massive break, but get up, stretch, move your body, go refill your water cups so that you're staying fully hydrated. And maybe it is that you go and you get some fresh air for a second. You mentally disconnect from what you're doing just for a minute or two to move your body, feel better, stretch a little bit. And you know, when you move your body, you change your state of mind, you can come back a lot more focused. It is really foolish on our part. And like I said, I have been guilty many times to think, oh, I'm in the middle of this, let me just plow right through. Our work suffers, the quality of our work suffers, our concentration suffers, and then we're just over-caffeinating and feeling kind of like crap by the end of the day. So try this next week to set a little timer that every 52 minutes you're gonna get up, you're gonna stretch, you're gonna take a walk around the office, get back and be focused. Now, if you're in a really busy office, you are already naturally getting up and walking and moving around. So what I would say to you is make sure that you're taking a break for lunch. Even if you cannot leave the office, maybe you're a one-man show or maybe you're, um, you're short-staffed, pick up and have lunch somewhere other than your desk. Separate that time just again to mentally regroup. Remember, they always say you cannot fill from an empty cup. So if you start to feel fried because you're just going 100 miles an hour, everything is gonna suffer. So guys, I just wanna say, I know y'all are like such hard workers, so consider this like your best friend telling you, hey, take a break regularly. It's gonna be good for you and it's gonna be good for those around you. So there you have the latest tip on just making sure to regularly move your body and disconnect from your work throughout the day. Number five comes back to communication. So remember how I talked about figuring out what makes you unique and then talking to everybody that you can to practice your verbal skills? I want you now to focus on your written communication. So a lot of the communication that we're doing nowadays is through email and our written response can either help us or it can hurt us. So I want you to get really comfortable letting your personality shine through. You know, you don't have to write stale corporate talk when you write an email, but you do want it to feel professional. So there's a balance. 
How will you start an email? How will the copy be? If you're not comfortable with your spelling and grammar, there's a great Chrome extension called Grammarly and it's spelled, I believe, G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y, Grammarly. I use it religiously. And what it does is it gives you suggestions for how to reword something. It also corrects your spelling as it goes. And it, it you know, sometimes it catches that you probably could have used a comma. So it'll do stuff like it'll say, you could, you rephrase this sentence this way to make it sound a little friendlier. So it's like the complete writing tool. Now, once you get comfortable really paying attention this next week to your written communication, I'm talking about your subject lines, your email copy, whether it's to a prospect or a current resident or it's communication within your team, then start looking for ways where you're sending the same type of emails over and over again and draft out some template responses. Maybe it's a follow-up email write a really good one, a really fun one, and then do some varieties. Okay, this is the one I'm gonna use if it's a pet owner. This is the one if somebody was really into the location or this amenity. You can tweak it and modify it. Once you have those templates and you really feel confident, not only are you gonna communicate better, but you're gonna be a lot faster because you can pull upon those templates, make a few small changes, and go. Anything that you're writing more than a couple of times a day, I want you to try to get a template for it and I want you to spend a little bit of time crafting that response. So written communication is just as important, if not more, than your verbal. Because in verbal, I can see you. We can have gestures, you can see my tone, or hear my tone, see my expressions. In an email, I can't see that. So you have to overcompensate to make sure the tone sounds friendly, that it sounds warm, and it sounds inviting. If you take a few minutes to work on that, and you don't have to do it all next week, but Practice a little bit, build on your templates. You're gonna see you're building this awesome toolkit that will serve you for your entire career as a leasing professional and then in all other areas that you decide to go later in your career. The next tip is to practice getting comfortable with your most common objections. So what I want you to do all this next week is I want you to write down the objections that you're hearing throughout the week. You might think I'll remember, but just start a little notebook in your notebook, a paper that tackles, you don't have to tackle it, but just write down the objections you're hearing. Oh, I don't really like this location. Oh, this floor plan is this. Write them all down. Then I want you to look at them and see if some common ones pop up. Usually there's two or three that you hear all the time. And you can start to really dread those if you're not comfortable with your response. Once you have those main objections, I want you to craft out a response on how you're actually gonna respond. So if it is something about location, how are you gonna overcome that and feel comfortable in your language talking that through? What's worked with some prospects? Think back on the last few months, maybe when somebody presented that objection, you said something and it, it helped to overcome that objection. Once you like your responses, I would share them with your property manager and say, hey, I'm, I wanna get kind of like my little playbook here what do you think? Do you have any tips on these objections? Here's what I'm thinking I'm going to say. Have you tried something that works better? And then practice those. I'm going to share with you all a little tool that we have, which is the leasing uh, blueprint. And this is a manual. This is basically something I wish I had had when I was a leasing professional. And because I didn't, I created it with my team to be kind of like your leasing Bible, your blueprint, right? And there's a section in here that helps you master your skills. It talks about overcoming some of the most common objections. So it first of all, it tells you why people object, how to not get caught with an objection, even if you don't have a response right on time. And then it has a little place that you can work through some of the most common objections like price, 
like location and a few other ones. So this is on our website at watchyourbusinesssprout.com. You can check it out on our Sprout shop. You have a, we have a PDF version and we have a printable if you want us to send you the printed version. A lot of the things that I'm talking about, they are built into this book. And so if you're wanting to up-level your skills, I think you should convince your property manager to get it for you. And if not, I would invest in that for myself. So there you have it. I want you to get really comfortable with objections. Never be caught where you're feeling a little bit nervous because you now have, you've seen them, you've isolated them, you've come up with a response and you're super comfortable overcoming that objection. is kind of an interesting one because it's about our use of our phone. So we want to keep our screen time, especially with our phone, in its place. And that's tip number seven. Now, the reason I say this is kind of interesting is we know that our phones, social media, we're also using them as lead generations. However, it can quickly get out of hand. So a few things to think about. We're getting a ton of online leads, and yes, those are important, but they should never be at the expense of the in-person leads that are coming in our door. The leads that walk through the door need to feel seen and heard. And so if you're so tied up with your online leads that you're making your in-person leads feel like they're a bother, we've got a problem, right? These people have actually taken the time to come in. The next thing with that is you need to come up with a system for responding to leads. Sometimes some communities are getting so many leads that it's hard to respond in a timely manner. Yet online leads want that quick response. So that's where those templates that we talked about earlier can come in handy. Look at the type of requests you're getting and create some template responses that are quick to modify. So again, you're saving time, you're becoming more efficient, you're making both of your prospects in person and online feel like they're getting the right response. Now, when it comes to your personal phone, I know that it is so tempting to, whenever there's a break in work, to check your social media, check your Facebook or your Instagram, your personal stuff. And I get it. I, I do it too. Sometimes when I don't want to tackle something frustrating or like that I have to give a lot of brain power to, I find myself just grabbing for the phone. But I want you to remember that when you do that, you're taking away time from your employer. And after a while, if you become known for somebody that's constantly sneaking off to look at your phone or is responding to things, it's gonna be a ding. So over the next week, just pay attention. How often are you on your phone during your work time where it's not work related? You know, how often is that sucking you in? Do you have your alerts set up where you're, you know, it's distracting now. If you get an alert for every time you see something on Instagram, every time somebody texts you, you could literally be constantly tied to this, which will affect the quality of your work. So I know I'm old school there, but I just wanna say that is so important and it really says a lot to your boss, it says a lot to the people around you. And if you ever wanna be a leader in your organization, you're gonna to have to learn how to have some of those limits and those constraints to make sure that you're getting the job done. We've come to the end, friends. Tip number eight is to create if this, then that rules. <laughs> I don't think I can say that fast, but basically we know in property management, the one thing we can count on is that things change all the time. All of a sudden our office is dead, we're by ourselves, and then 20 people walk in at once, right? Residents and prospects. Or nobody's been bothering us all day, like it's been a slow day, and then all of a sudden when somebody leaves to lunch and you're by yourself, the phone is ringing 20 million times, right? So when do you prepare for those scenarios? Well, again, you wanna create systems ahead of time. So think about 
there's certain scenarios that happen often, kind of like the ones I just talked about. How will you respond in those scenarios? What will you do if there's an overwhelm of traffic and you're alone, or the phone is constantly ringing, or you're short-staffed because somebody got sick? The time to think about those things are not when they're happening, it's beforehand. Now, to be realistic, I know a lot of you don't have a lot of downtime to think about this, but I do want you to start taking note of scenarios that create stress and create frustration and create scenarios where you're not feeling like you're your best. I try to do this at the end of the week. I look back and I say, what happened this week that I could have prevented that became very stressful? And sometimes it's just not being prepared, maybe not starting work the way that I wanted to, not having my routine of starting early before everybody else was going. So by looking back on the week and by really paying attention as things are happening, you can isolate scenarios that you can prepare for. Now, that's not to say that there's not gonna be scenarios you cannot prepare for, that is life, right? But by stacking the odds in our favor and being prepared and learning from the times that we didn't like, we're gonna be even better to tackle the next week. So we're not making the same mistakes our entire career. That to me, if you can tackle that as a leasing professional, that is a quality that is gonna serve you your entire career. So you, dear leasing professionals, y'all have my heart and my support. I know what a incredibly satisfying job it can be, but also what a very difficult job it can be. So first of all, I just wanna applaud and commend you. I am in your corner rooting for you. And I want you to know that if you start to implement even one of these things, pick one for the next week. If eight is too many, pick one, focus on that. When you master that, pick another and you slowly build on it. I know you're the type of person that is not content to just kind of sit back and be the status quo, to be just good enough. I know that you're the kind of person, if you're watching this, that wants to be better at your career. So you can level up and you can continue to grow in your career and become a real leader and be ready when the next opportunity comes your way by taking the time to work on your craft, the craft of helping people find home. And man, what an awesome privilege that is. So we get to be part of a really cool club and I'm vicariously living through you guys. That is it for this week. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. Until next time, I'll see you guys next week.